Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Hey, good morning. I said nothing like a little cold snap to kind of give you a hint of what the rapture might look like, amen? All right, a lot of people still at home in that warm bed, right? Praying for you. Praying for you, those of you watching by television now in your bed. Praying for you. Praying for you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hey, I'm glad y'all have come out to brave the cold. It's actually a pretty, pretty nice day out there now. The wind quit blowing. It's warming on up. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. And this is the day the Lord has made, so we rejoice and we're glad in. I want to tell you about a couple of new families that joined this morning. Uh, they, I actually introduced them over at the traditional service because that's where both of them attend the majority of the time. And uh, it's uh, Carla. I'm Carla. I said that. Uh, Marla and Eric Campbell. They have two children, nine years old, seven years old, and uh, they uh, serve over at the Claxton Middle School, uh, teaching over there. And so we're excited to have them. They've been attending for several months and. Finally came to the place where they attended class last week, and right after class they said, we know that Eastern Heights is the place for us, and so they joined. And then also uh, Sherry Smith, she's only been coming for a couple of weeks, uh, invited by a neighbor, Judy Larson, and, um, and she moved here to be closer to her kids and uh, is a widow, and uh, so we are just excited to have both of these families here with us. Uh, to be a part of Eastern Heights family, and I hope that you get to meet them and know them somewhere along the way, but I wanted to let you know about that. Also, last Sunday was a special day. Uh, it was the one-year anniversary for Dylan and Katie Honeycutt to be here at our church, and along with Barry, and now new and coming in May. Let's give them a hand this morning. So, Yes, we, we uh, have had a year. It's unbelievable, right? Where did that year go? It's been, been pretty fast. But, uh, so we're excited about what God is doing with all of these families and what God's going to do in the days ahead. Well, we're beginning a new series today called This Is Not The End. And we're going to be looking over the next six weeks at what happens with life on this earth ends, the very fact that we have the hope of heaven. And we're going to be taking a look at some events leading up to the greatest life-changing historical event that ever happened, and that, of course, being Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, not only is the Bible the best-selling book of all time, but it is the story of human history. It's the story of human history and God's work in that story. So without question, the most significant event that happened in the history of mankind was the resurrection of Jesus Christ because without Jesus, we have no hope, right? But we have hope because of Jesus. But the greatest miracle in the world didn't just happen by chance. Matter of fact, it was just the opposite of that. It was very much intentional. And that's what I want us to get today. The story of this one particular event, the resurrection, permeates all of Scripture, beginning with the creation account that shows us God's sovereignty over his creation, all the way to the fall of mankind that we looked at last week, which shows us that there's this gap between us and God that has to be bridged because of sin in our life. And that bridge is Jesus Christ. If we look at the Old Testament, we see how that the Old Testament foretells and shows us 
two things, really. It shows us the history, uh, the historical context of the Messiah and the fact that he was coming. And it shows us, secondly, humanity's inability to save themselves, thus the need for a Messiah or a Savior. And that's what Messiah means. It means a Savior. And as we get into the New Testament, especially the Gospels, we see that the Messiah has come. Jesus in, has come God in the flesh here on earth and then the rest of the New Testament shows us how that Jesus lived here on earth and that how we are supposed to live after that. And so I've entitled today's message, What Are the Chances? What are the chances? Because I want you to think about with me here for the next few minutes, okay, and throughout this week, I want you to think about what the chances are that the many, many awesome stories that we find in God's Word, what are the chances that all of those things really happened. What are the chances that all those things really happened? I mean, that's why a lot of people have trouble believing God and believing God's Word is because when you read some of this stuff, it, it, it's beyond comprehension, right? So what are the chances that these happen? I mean, what are the chances that a flood would cover the earth for 40 days and 40 nights? Probably just slightly higher than the temperature dropping 50 degrees in one day, right? Right, okay, that, that, you can laugh, that was a joke, okay. Thank you, thank you. On television, they laughed, okay? You can't always hear yourselves on television, but anyway, everybody thinks, you're telling these jokes and nobody's laughing. They are laughing, all right? Hear me roar. Anyway, yes, what are the chances? Water covering the earth, 40 days, 40 nights. What are, what are the chances that the sea would divide? A great sea would divide in half, and people would thousands, by the thousands would walk over and across that area on dry land. What are the chances of that happening? What are the chances of hailstones large enough to kill a human being would fall on two different armies at the same time, but they would precisely only hit the enemy and none of God's people and God's army? What are the chances of that happening? What are the chances that a simple prayer would cause fire to come down out of heaven in a specific place on an altar that had been built to prove who would be the one true God? I mean, what are the chances of that happening? What are the chances of a bush that you would see burning, but it wouldn't burn up, it wouldn't be consumed? And oh, by the way, the bush would also speak to you. What are the chances of that? What's the chances of a large fish swallowing a human being whole and then vomiting him up alive on the beach three days later. What are the chances of that happening? What are the chances of someone dying on a cross, being buried in a tomb, rising three days later from the dead, and simply by faith believing in that could save you from all of your sins and the sins of all humanity? What are the chances? You see, for hundreds of years, God's people would look for the Messiah, the Savior, for Jesus to come, to save them from their sins and to save them from all the oppression that they had lived under under these evil kings and, and later on the rule of the Roman Empire. They, they would wait for hundreds of years for that to happen and then God would send these messages for hundreds of years that it was going to happen. Keep having faith. Keep believing. I have a plan. It is going to happen one day. And so he would send these messages, and he would send these messages through people called prophets, right? And so for hundreds of years and using dozens of prophets, God would send these messages that the Messiah 
was coming. And God would send between, depending on what scholar you listen to or study or whatever, uh, somewhere between 456 and 574 different prophecies. Now, I know that's a huge gap in between there, but it really depends on, like I say, who you, who you uh, listen to, the scholar, because some of them actually make it as a prediction or a prophecy. Some are referring to it as a review of a prophecy that had already been made. Some are talking about it's the foretelling of a prophecy that hadn't been made yet. So when you put it all together, the bottom line, it was still hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that God would send through the prophets to his people to say the Messiah is coming. And so what do you think the chances would be that one particular prophet, uh, Isaiah, would make at least 24 predictions in only 15 verses in Isaiah 52 and 53, and that all 24 of these prophecies, I mean every single one, would come to pass. What are the chances of that? I want you to look with me in Isaiah 52, if you would. Isaiah 52, we're going to begin in verse 13. Isaiah 52, verse 13, it says, See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellions, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried with a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. And so here... 
These 24 predictions foretell the death of Jesus Christ and how that he would fulfill the plan of redemption for the sin of all mankind. What are the chances? Well, the good news is we're going to learn about that. But you know what? This was not the end. It wasn't. It wasn't. This would be the beginning in many ways. So can I just say that the chances of the accuracy of every single one of these 24 predictions actually happening, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down in your bulletin, it's either very scary or totally supernatural. It's either very scary or totally supernatural that all 24 of these things would happen. Unbelievable. So I, I want to talk about probability and chance for just a minute because I really want this to sink in today. So we're going to talk about what are the chances, okay? And, and to kind of give you a little teaser for, for this kind of thing, I, I'm gonna, uh, some people call, you know, a chance a, a shot in the dark, right? You ever heard that term? I, I'm going to give you the opportunity to sh take a shot in the dark at me, and you're going, whoo-hoo, yeah, I've been waiting on this a long time. Take a shot at the preacher, all right? So I, I, I'm going to let you take this shot here. What are the chances that at five foot seven that you think I like basketball? Raise your hand. There was a clue in there, okay? Five foot seven, did you catch that part? I don't like basketball. I don't like basketball, all right? And it's not because I can't shoot, I can, all right? Uh, it's not because I can't dribble, I can. And it's not because I can't go up down the court really fast, I used to could, okay? Not so much anymore, but it really boils down to this. There's a, a high probability, there's a high chance that if I'm playing basketball with a group of people at five foot seven, somebody's elbow is exactly at the level of my nose. Okay? Don't laugh about that. That's not funny at all. That's why I don't like basketball. But you know, it is March, and it's March Madness time. And March Madness gives those of us who don't even like basketball that much a little bit of a twist to it, kind of makes it a little bit more interesting. And, and the slides that I did today are, are going to talk about some probabilities of, of uh, picking all the winning teams throughout the whole bracket of March Madness. Now, if you've never taken to March Madness much, it's trying to predict all the teams that are going to win. And a few years ago when I first looked at this, it was 63 games. I think this year it's 67 games, but it's not going to matter that much. You're going to get the idea, but I want you to think about what the probability, what's the chance that somebody could pick all 60-something games and get all of them correct. Well, the NCAA says that it is in 1 in 9.2 quintillion, okay? 1.9.2 quintillion, okay? That's 1 to 10 to the 18th power. So that's one with 18 zeros after it, or six commas, all right? That's a pretty big number, right? The chances of somebody picking all winning teams are really beyond comprehension. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. If it does, it, it's going to be crazy. My wife says that in Alabama, we call this a snowball's chance, okay? And I think it's pretty much the same in Georgia. Y'all know what that term means, right? Okay, but it, it's, it's pretty astronomical. Well, Bible scholars tell us that not only did Jesus fulfill 24 prophecies, not only did he fulfill more than 60 prophecies, but that he actually fulfilled somewhere between 320 
and 330 prophecies in his lifetime. Again, depending on which scholars you study. Over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled. What's the probability, what's the chance that one man, Jesus, could do that, could fulfill over 300 predictions like that? Well, a well-known study was done, and you may be familiar with it. It's simple to, to find and to study yourself. It's, it, you can Google it. it. It's right there. It's been out for years. But there was a mathematician by the name of Dr. Peter Stoner who got interested in what the probability would be of someone, uh, you know, predicting that many prophecies and then one man fulfilling all of those prophecies. And I want to share with you today just so you can get a grasp on God's intentional plan for mankind and how really complex it really is because you know that if you flip a coin in the air, the chances of it landing on heads is 50%, right? Okay? And if you flip it twice, the chance of it landing on heads drops down to 25%, and each time you flip it, it, it goes on from there, right? And so what Dr. Peter Stoner did is he talked about what are the chances of one man fulfilling 300 of these prophecies, and so he began to work out this mathematical equation, and he worked up to eight, eight, okay? Just eight of these prophecies came out to be this number here, and it's almost inconceivable. It's one to the... 10 to the 17th power, okay, which is 17 zeros after a 1 or 5 commas, and it's called 1 in 100 quadrillion, okay? Still an astronomical number, right? Not quite as high. It's one short, one zero short of the uh, winning the March Madness, but still, that's just eight, Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies, that's the number. Well, he didn't stop there. He went on and he got up to 48 prophecies. If Jesus would have fulfilled 48 prophecies, he got to that number and he stopped because it came out to be this number here, 1 in 10 to, 10 to 157th power. 157 zeros after the 1. We don't even have a human term for how big that number is really is. Yet, 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah made those 24 prophecies, and Jesus fulfilled not only those 24, but like I said, over 300 prophecies. Can you imagine what the number would actually be? Unbelievable. Our God was so intentional in his plan to redeem mankind. I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances? In your bulletin, you'll find a list of those 24 prophecies with the corresponding uh, scripture where it was fulfilled. We don't have time to go through all of those today, but in the future, we're going to go through uh, at least five of those prophecies as we lead up to Easter. But here's the takeaway for today, okay? Number one, all the things that Jesus did in fulfilling these prophecies made it a very historical event. Hundreds of people witnessed with their own eyes Jesus fulfilling these prophecies. We have historical data from people, eyewitness account, that show that Jesus came to this earth and fulfilled all those prophecies, right? So we've got a historical account. But not only that, it goes way beyond that. It is supernatural, folks. It is supernatural, as I've just showed you, with the chances of it just happening by chance. It's not... It never would have happened by chance. There's no way. It was supernatural. And that's what I want you to understand today is God's plan just goes beyond intentional. 
goes beyond that. Given what we've learned today, what are the chances do you think? Here's where we want to make it personal. What are the chances that God sent Jesus for some, but not for you? And what do you think the chances are that you somehow are undeserving of his love and forgiveness while others are deserving? See, what I want you to understand today is I want you to think about today and this week, what are the chances that God created you with a very special purpose in mind? And what are the chances that God created you with a very special plan for your life? And what are the chances that God will give you the power to fulfill that plan and purpose in your life? I want you to think about that this week. And then I want you to go a step further. I want you to think about what are the chances that you'll discover God's purpose for your life instead of just wandering aimlessly through life doing whatever. What are the chances that you will discover and live out God's plan for your life and experience the power that God wants to give you to do those things? I mean, what are the chances? Well, I can tell you they will increase exponentially when you become as intentional about knowing God as he was intentional about making a plan for you to be able to do so. See? God was very intentional in his plan for redeeming you, you have to be intentional about knowing him. No, the Bible predicts over and over and over again that God will always defy the odds. So I want you to learn how to be intentional about knowing God who made this intentional plan for you. Matter of fact, today, as you heard, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about how you can apply four main habits to knowing God better, knowing His Word, studying His Word, prayer, Bible study, fellowshipping with other Christians, serving in a ministry in the church. We're going to do that at 1.30 today. So if somehow you took that first class and never went on to take the second one, the apply class, I hope that you'll come today at 1.30 and learn how you can be more intentional about knowing this God who's been so intentional about you. You see, what I've learned about God is the greater the chances are that you can't do something, the greater the chances are that he can. Right? If you hadn't written it down in front of your Bible, you might want to do that. Matthew 19, verse 26 says, With God, all things are impossible. With God, all things are impossible. And I know we've heard that. I know we can quote that. I know we probably believe that. But the question is, are we really living that? I mean, are we really living like everything that's going on in our life that it is possible with God that he can make it happen? So what are the chances? What are the chances right now that God is working on your behalf? I mean, right now at this moment. Look at Psalm 139, right in the middle of your Bible. Just flip over right in the middle of your Bible, find Psalm 139. I want you to see this. Psalm 139, verse 13. Psalm 139, verse 13. God working on your behalf right now. It says, You made all of my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. If you've ever wondered when life begins, right there it is. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark, of the womb. 
You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. You believe that? Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. What are the chances that God set in motion since the beginning of time for you to have this personal, intentional relationship with Him? You thought about that? What are the chances? I think they're pretty astronomical. And what are the chances that God's thinking about you right now at this moment? Look back at verse 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They can't be numbered. Can't number how much God's thinking about you. It says that you can't count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. We've all been to the beach at some point, right? you imagine counting the grains of sand in one hand, much less all of it? That's how much God cares about you. And when you wake up, God's still with you. No matter how you feel, God's still with you. So I want you to know today, when you think about what are the chances that God loves you, that God has an intentional plan for your life, an intentional purpose, He wants to use you, I mean, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal, the intention that God has for your life. If we could only grasp it. And so what are the chances you think that God might use you, who He created and thinks so much about and loves so much, that God would use you this week, maybe in somebody else's life that needs to hear about that love. And that God would use you to invite them to come to church. You know, the lady that joined this morning over in the traditional service, she was invited by her neighbor. She didn't know anybody. But a neighbor reached out. One of our church members reached out and invited her to come. People are ready to hear. They're ready to listen. It, it may be mind-boggling, but they're still interested in it. So maybe God would use you just by chance this week to invite someone to come because next week's message is called The Silence of the Lamb. In regards to what you thought about the movie, I hope you'll come to hear the message and bring somebody with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word that so intentionally shows us how much that you love us, has shown us how intentional your plan is to redeem us and to bring us back to yourself. And so, God, we are grateful for what we're going to be talking about these next few weeks leading up to the resurrection and celebrating Easter together, that, that the hope of heaven, the hope we have in Jesus Christ for our lives to be changed and to be different is just astronomical, that it would all come into place. And the very fact that we can know you and be in right relationship with you simply by faith and believing what Jesus did on the cross like we said last week, it, it just goes so far beyond comprehension that your word says that we have to do it like a little child, which means total trust. It's like a small child who would be up on a high place and the parent would say, just jump, I'll catch you. And that little child, without thinking about how high it is or how strong they might be, 
What are the chances that they might be dry? They don't think about any of that. They just jump. So, Father, we pray that that's the kind of faith that we'd have today, is the kind where we would just jump into living life the way you intended us to do it. In Christ's name, we ask it. And all God's people together said, Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing together and we go out thinking about how God was intentional in making us life-changing. God bless you. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.